Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Okay, we're all in take five. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook them up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Oh man, the football world, the football industry is crazy these days. You're going to one of those revolving doors, Rod, which is a revolving door, you know, you go around and around. Feels like every Monday or Tuesday we come in here and there's a whole new round of coaching carousel conversations right at the end of the regular season, this annual Monday pink slip fest, Black Monday. Well, now, as you come out of the playoffs, there's talk about Mike McCarthy, Nick Sirianni, and Mike Tomlin. Yeah, how often? All in play. Yeah, I mean, this is a new era of football, right? You, you talk about this at the college level, but we're starting to see it at the NFL level. And it's just overall just a lack of patience with our society, instant gratification. Nothing wrong with that, by the way. I'm not criticizing. I'm not being an old man here. Um, but um, you start looking at it when they start firing coach at the co- at the NFL level, they're doing it with now playoff teams. Like playoff teams, they used to be in playoffs. You're safe no matter what happened. Yeah. I made the playoffs. I'm good. That's not even the case anymore. It used to be you made the playoffs. You were safe. That is not the case anymore. And just like at the college, that was different, different reason. But it used to be at a blue blood. You're the blue blood. You're gonna be there. That's a destination job. I ain't leaving Pine Box or Parade, baby. Right. It's the only way I'm leaving this blue blood job. Now. Coach is starting to jump from blue blood jobs well, look, to another I to mean, a better blue blood hey, job. Yeah, Marty crazy. Schottenheimer didn't he get fired after going fourteen and two? Yeah, he did. Yeah, I wouldn't say that was an exception. Not the real, that was a rare thing. Now we talk about this regularly, which is like strange. But you're right. I mean, it's happening. Well, I mean, just last week, in point of the revolving door. I mean, every week we come in here, there's these. I mean, last week because that was coming off the Final Four, right, in the national championship mm-hmm. game. Well, all of a sudden, Nick Saban retires. Um, there's talk about Kirby Smart maybe with the Atlanta Falcons, and then Kalen DeBoer jumps to Nick Saban's job. So you've got the you know two or three of the four teams that were you know three of three of the four, five best teams in the country are talking about new coaches now. Jim Harbaugh could be jumping, so you're gonna have another yeah. round of co- yeah. coaching carousel in the college ranks. He's like, yeah, I won that side. I'm gone. He's like, what? Hold when saw that happen? <laughs> and in this NFL case, you don't want to say that. Right? I mean, last <laughs> week we had the same day where you know Bill Belichick, Nick Saban, and uh, Pete Carroll. We're all out. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's crazy. And now, not crazy. It's just there's just a, a lot happening, and it happens quick, and it doesn't it doesn't slow down. And now, you know, coming off of the wild card weekend where you had six games, and um, you know these teams, you're. I mean, each one's different. I mean, Mike McCarthy. We we talked. If you lose the Packers game, you're gonna be in trouble, bro. <laughs> That's just the. If you don't win the Packers game, yeah. even if you don't, if you don't make the NFC Championship game, there's gonna be, be a problem. Yeah, there will be a problem. I mean, even Jerry Jones last week on Tuesday with his uh, fan interview, the 105.3 The Fan said, "We'll see how these games go." Mm-hmm. Well, we saw how the game went. We saw how it went. Brother. <laughs> it wasn't good. Yeah. And now Mike, now Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones have canceled their uh, scheduled radio appearances on 105.3 The Fan this week, and said, you know, we our contract's up for that. And I, you know, it's it, so yes, keep an eye there. But then the Mike Tomlin thing is different in that it just seems like it might be time. And they mm-hmm. made the playoffs. They overachieved. They went ten and seven. They they fought back after getting down twenty one nothing yesterday. So they didn't they didn't quit in the game. But at the same time, Mike Tomlin was asked about his future and walked off. It was walked off. Like see ya. Like, he, yeah, I mean, <laughs> walked off. You don't see Mike Tomlin, you know, basically his behavior being that erratic where he's just walking off the stage. But apparently he was not ready to answer questions about that. I think that's because he's insecure about his situation there. With the I don't Pittsburgh know that he likes his team very much right now, Rob. When I look at him. Why uh, wouldn't they sign him to an extension? Why would they let him be lame duck? They know what that means in the NFL. Oh, I know. But Rooney's been around long enough to know when he's you got to coach. going into the final year of his yeah. deal. He doesn't have a new one. Normally, if you're planning to keep the guy long term, you've already you've already inked him up. Oh, you're in the, you're in talk, it's been reported that they're in talks or negotiations. There ain't been no talks about that. And there's also been the reports from the Adam Schefters of the world that maybe he's ready to step away for a little bit. I just don't see. I mean, he, he, you know, it's a grind, Rod. That's a grind mm-hmm. when you're trying to year by year kind of grind your way into the playoffs. You don't have a quarterback. You got guys like George Pickens on your team, and that just you know, kind of give half effort sometimes. And mm-hmm. yeah. you, know, you got um, 
there's just a, you know, you're trying, you're trying, <laughs> uh, but you, you know you don't have a team that can really win a championship. You don't have a quarterback that can win you a championship, and uh, the grind can get tough. And then there's the Nick Sirianni thing, which is completely surprising. This is kind of like out of left field that, you know, this team was 10-1 and one going into December. And remember, when they were 10-1, and one, Rod, they were coming off of wins over the Cowboys, the Chiefs, and the Bills. It's crazy. Cowboys, Chiefs, and Bills. And they're the best team. And they collapsed. They lost six of their last seven. Um, you know, it started with that getting rolled by the 49ers on that Sunday afternoon and, you know, fight on the sidelines between, a, you know, a staffer and a player. It's wild. Craziness. And the next thing you know, here they are bounced. They were lucky to make the playoffs, right? Mm-hmm. They had that 10-1 cushion gave them the ability to, to lose, you know, five of their last six games into the postseason and still make it. And, but they coughed up the, the division championship to the Cowboys. And so now Nick Sirianni could be one mm-hmm. and done. Like one year from the Super Bowl, one season after taking the team to the Super Bowl on the verge of winning the Super Bowl, could be out, could be canned. That is, yeah, that is surprising. Only because I, he must have, he must have upset the wrong people somehow within that organization. If he ends up being out after going to the Super Bowl one year removed, um, whether it be Howard Roseman or there be ownership, whatever's happening behind the scenes that the players were actually witness to because I think that has something to do with their psychology and why this team went to, into a downward spiral, and it seems like the end of the season they basically quit. At quit. least it looks like that. that they, they, were not, they, did, they did not want to play for Nick Sirianni and that, that this team would rather go home than to, to, to play in a playoff game. Um, I think, yeah, we'll learn about it later on, but if he's fired – Something happened. He did something. It'll come out. Yeah, that well, was. Look, I mean, if you if you watched last night and were surprised, then you didn't watch them play the Giants in Week 17. But they've been playing like this for the last two months. But the Giants <laughs> in Week 17 was a, was to win the division and be the two seed and play at home, and they were down 27 to nothing. Yeah. To the Giants. Yeah. And the game didn't mean anything to the Giants. No, mind you, it was pride. <laughs> they were playing for pride, and the Eagles were playing for you're right playoff seating. And, and they and remember, the division. came in here saying, well, were they resting people? I mean, what was going on? No, they were just, they just didn't want to play. Didn't want to play. Uh, and that is. They didn't want to play? And they had lost the week before to the Arizona Cardinals, who didn't have exactly. anything to play they for. To play for. <laughs> <laughs> they're losing to the teams who are just playing for pride, which means they don't have pride. They're, they're not, they're not right? no pride. They're not playing for anything. They're not playing for their coach. So, yeah, that's fireable. I mean, you, you, it seems like it's. Uh, you know, as a coach, your job is to stop the bleeding. And yeah. you had two months. There's another wrong way. Listen, we see this team struggle. The NFL season is long. You got injuries. Uh, sometimes, you know, conceptually, things that aren't working. You got to fix and tinker uh, with some things uh, schematically. We all get that. But over a two month span, um, like you said, with opportunities to win the division, to impl- improve your playoff seating against teams who had nothing to play for but pride. Uh, your team were no-shows in a lot of those games. And no. Nick Sirianni not only couldn't inspire the locker room to play harder, but he couldn't fix the conceptual schematic issues that also existed with the team. So he could – what I say about coaches, they're problem solvers. He can't solve the problems. Because maybe he's the problem. Boom. End That's a day. great point. That could be it. And maybe he's the problem. And it just – you know, it's one of those – the. It, what, how, did, how did he take a team to a Super Bowl one year and lose it? I don't know. I don't have an answer to that. As you said, it'll the come out in the future. Man. But, um, he did have those two coordinators. I know, but they yeah, were 10-1. They were they were t- something happened during something the year. Something happened during the season. Because, right. yeah, the coordinators were hit. There's no question. But they were coaching through it yeah, yeah. for three months of the year yeah, right. until through Thanksgiving. And then it just, the, you know, they quit on them. The right? They quit on off. them. Yeah. They quit on them. Why would they quit? And as an organization, you can't, you can't fire all the players. You can fire the coach, though. But they made a statement with their play. No, 100%. With the way they play, they made a statement to the to the ownership and to the GM, like, hey, man, we ain't playing for this dude. Uh, so we'll, we'll take some thoughts on that. Text line's open, 512-447-3776. Mike McCarthy, yeah. you know, if you go, if you move on, you better know who you're going to. I mean, uh, a plan. who's the next coach? I mean, could you I – mean, would it be smart of the Cowboys to beat the Seahawks to Dan Quinn? Does that do anything for you, just to change the voice? Uh, Dan Quinn's defense certainly left a lot to be desired in, in multiple games this year. Niners, yeah. Bills, this game on Sunday. But he's still, you know, because you I mean, to your point, Rod, this is why the Cowboys, and Ty said this earlier, and Ty said it's, it's you know, the, identifying the problems is one thing, but the solutions to the problems are challenging. You know, yes, you want to fire Mike McCarthy, but he's now tied to this offense in your quarterback. Yep. They built the offense together. And you got the best year out of Dak Prescott, but he came up small in January again. 
your defense has been built by Dan Quinn and his uh, his vision. Uh, you've drafted players, signed players, for Dan brought Quinn's in players defense. for Dan Quinn's defense. Yep. And now he may leave. Um, you're kind of over a barrel here. These Mike McCarthy's very important to what you do offensively. Dan Quinn's very important to what you do defensively. Agreed. And you're going to lose one to the Seahawks potentially and then fire the other. Now what are you doing? Yeah, you basically lose both your identities. Yes. Right? Your identity on offense, identity on defense. And what are you going to do about that? Yeah, that's How a problem. How do you replace it? And, Can uh, you afford to lose both? So your point is don't lose both. Maybe keep Dan Quinn. If you're going to fire Mike McCarthy, and if you're going to – Dan Quinn's inevitably going to leave because he's going for a head coaching job, then why don't you just – yeah, then keep Mike McCarthy. Oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Would you rather be shot or stabbed? I don't know. I mean, I don't know how that – that's a well, – those are two ugly choices. And I'll ask you make. this question, both of y'all, because we'll just continue the bullish or BS kind of takes here. Because if you were watching the game, and you were all watching the game on Sunday when they were getting blown out by the Packers, Greg Olson, they talked about Mike McCarthy. They got into the debate when it was a blowout. And said, you know, Greg Olson said one of the ways I judge a coach is if he were fired, would he be hired again? And Greg Olson was pretty bullish that Mike McCarthy would get another job really quickly. I don't disagree with that. So yeah. one of these, I mean, he went 36 and 12 yeah. or the last, you know, mm -hmm. several seasons. 12, 12 games in three straight years. Do you, do you think Mike McCarthy would land one of these other gigs? And you're looking at Carolina. You're looking at some other places that would probably take him. Yes, they would. Uh, that's a great point, and I think he would. I think he would be picked up pretty quickly. But Mike Vrabel's still out there. Mike, Mike Vrabel had been picked up. He's a good coach. Now Bill Belichick's the goat. Is out there. He, had, he just had job interviews. Yeah, um, I, that would be shocking though, because that would be a hell of a coaching uh, a coaching candidate pool. Uh, you know, I mean, that you would have available to you if Mike McCarthy, Mike Vrabel, Belichick is out there. Maybe even Tomlin. Tomlin potentially, like, like Tomlin steps Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh. I mean, when was the last time we had a, a pool of candidates that would be, you know, this worthy? I mean, this impressive. Well, if Tomlin were to step aside and say, "Look, I just need a break." You need a break, Sean Payton style. Would someone come in and try to hire him, and you could, and the Steelers could trade him? Oh, be like, I'll, I'll give you a year off, but just trade him to us. So when you do come back, you with us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's uh, because unlike Nick Sirianni, who seems like you know, flash in the pan, Nick's, you know, Mike Tomlin is solid. Mike Tomlin with the right team can win a Super Bowl. I think Mike Tomlin is still a hell of a coach. I mean, he's, he's never had a losing season. They won 10 games this year with Mason Rudolph and Kenny Pickett. Got to the playoffs. I mean, yeah. and that dude is a consistent leader. That guy's going to win. He can coach. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, all this you – know, this is why I said a revolving door. This thing's crazy because if McCarthy does get fired, he's a candidate. Quinn moving. Uh, what about Tomlin? What's he going to do? Gosh, what's going to happen next Monday when we come in after divisional weekend? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen. But uh, a lot in play at this point. Let's uh, get you caught up on the news of the morning, by the way, as you're up and out. A lot of folks maybe slept in with the uh, late start time to some schools around there. Let's get you caught up with the news. Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment bringing you the top stories. And, yeah, it was in Buffalo yesterday, first game of uh, uh, the two games yesterday to wrap up Wild Card Weekend or Super Wild Card Weekend, as they call it. Bills rolled past the Steelers 31-17. They're up 21 to nothing and uh, pulled away late. Josh Allen threw three TD passes. Also had a pretty spectacular 52-yard touchdown run. That game was postponed to yesterday because of that lake effect blizzard on Sunday. Then in uh, then last night, it was uh, the complete collapse of the Philadelphia Eagles completed at the hands of the Buccaneers. Tampa Bay rolled past Philly 32-9 on Monday Night Football. Baker Mayfield 333 and three touchdowns for the NFC South champions who now advance to face the Detroit Lions this weekend. Eagles left to wonder what the heck happened. They were they lost six of seven games following that 10-1 start. On to the divisional round now. Eight teams left, four games on tap this weekend. Uh, this Saturday afternoon, first game of the weekend, we'll have the Texans. 3.30, actually 3.15 in Baltimore to face the top-seeded Ravens off the bye week. Then the Bills will host the Chiefs Sunday evening in the AFC. That'll be the last game, so the AFC will have the first and the last games of the weekend. In between, the NFC will have San Francisco hosting Green Bay Saturday night, and then Sunday afternoon, Detroit will host Tampa Bay. NFL, Atlanta Falcons confirmed yesterday they have completed a formal interview with Bill Belichick for their vacant head coaching job. No deal imminent, but there is mutual interest according to Tom Pelissaro of the NFL Network. Also reports this week that Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh meeting with the L.A. Chargers for their vacant, about their vacant head coaching job. Busy weekend for Longhorn football. We told you Steve Sarkeesian got a new contract extension through 2030 over the weekend. Also, uh, the new players for the Longhorn roster rolling in over the weekend. Classes start this week at UT. So um, 18 of the 
23 early in uh, the 23 player recruiting class for 2024 arrived over the weekend. Also, four transfer portal additions that Texas has added: Isaiah Bond, the receiver from Alabama; former Houston receiver Matthew Golden; UTSA edge Trey Moore; and former Clemson DB Andrew Makuba all arrived on campus. Um, all Longhorns are not done, by the way, looking to add to their roster through the transfer portal. Texas staff is still hot pursuit of several players, including Washington cornerback Jabbar Muhammad, also Oregon State wide receiver Silas Bolden, Alabama linebacker Kendrick Blackshire, and most recently, a uh, player to hit the radar, former Stanford tight end Ben Yurasek, who visited Georgia this past weekend, according to ESPN, but will visit Texas this week. Yurasek, one of the more talented and productive tight ends in the portal, caught 108 passes for over 1,300 yards the past three seasons at Stanford. Horn Headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. A new year and a new store. Come see our new beauty location at 200 Trademark Drive to rent, buy, or repair any construction and lawn equipment you need. TopGun.net. We'll shoot you straight. Yeah, I said this earlier, but you go look at the, the playoffs and, you know, the, the blowouts that we've seen and witnessed. These teams, first of all, there's a coaching disparity, I think, that I think we're witnessing, and the Cowboys were on the uh, bad side of that coaching disparity. On the downside of it, but I also think uh, when you look at these games, whatever big weakness these teams have going into these matchups, it's exacerbated in the playoffs. Pittsburgh couldn't find a quarterback, didn't really have a quarterback all year, even though they found a way to win games. And once they were down to the Bills, that game was over. Even though they made it somewhat competitive and respectful, that game was over because nobody had any faith that Mason Rudolph could lead the Steelers back in that game. Uh, we talked about the Eagles. The Eagles, well, aside from them quitting, uh, but schematically, having been able to solve the blitz all season, they're the most blitz team in the NFL, so you would think they'd be working on that. Uh, but they went up against a blitz-happy Todd Bowles and got blitzed to death, and Jalen Hurts still hadn't solved the blitz. That's why they went, They basically in that game, scored their fewest points of the season because <laughs> they couldn't solve the blitz and probably uh, had the most uh, blitz-happy opponent they could possibly see in the playoffs uh, against the Bucks, And I'll give a lot of credit to Baker Mayfield, but the pass defense for the Eagles has been a, an absolute fuster cluck all season long, came back to haunt them again. Uh, even then, you go look at the game versus uh, with the Texans and the Browns, the Browns were a really good defense, one of the top, 10 top five best defense in the league, but on the road, they were not. They were allowing over 31 points per game on the road, 13 points per game at home. That disparity uh, was one of the largest disparities in the NFL since 1984, and I think that came back to haunt them because on the road, they were not a good defense, and they were exposed when they had to go play the Texans. You can go down the list. Hell, the Cowboys, right? Cowboys couldn't stop the run. Um, they lost their linebackers early in the season, had uh, had a, uh, a void really at linebacker all season long, so they played a lot of DBs against run-heavy teams like they did against the Bills and like they did against the Miami Dolphins, and they came back to haunt them because Aaron Jones just ate them up in the run game, and the Cowboys rush defense, once again, came back to haunt them. So every issue that you have on your team, every flaw, every hole on your roster, when you get to elite levels of play against good teams, great organizations, great programs in the postseason, it's going to be exposed. You can go to the, tech, to, the, to the Texas Longhorns versus the Washington Huskies in the Sugar Bowl. Their pass defense was their biggest issue. They, they, their pressure, uh, they couldn't translate pressures or convert pressures into sacks all season long. Came back to haunt them. In that game, it, it's like that all over football. You can go, I can go look at the high school ranks and probably determine the same thing. If you have holes, which everybody does, and flaws on your roster, they will be exposed at the elite levels of play in the postseason. Then it's up to the coaching to make the necessary adjustments about the chess match within the game. And I think you're saying that's the coach when the coaching disparity, I think, reared its ugly head too. You're right about that, and uh, good stuff right there as we come off of a busy stretch here. And, yeah, the Cowboys played 48 of their 54 snaps with six DBs on the field, right? There you go. 48 of 54. So that means there were only six where they had an extra linebacker. Well, no wonder they ran the ball at will. Uh, but, again, Dan Quinn I don't think is that dumb. No. Is it, he doesn't have linebackers to put into place, right? You've had all the injuries at that position. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you've got to trust the players you put on the field to know their assignment and where they're supposed to be. You know, that mean, I'm not going to excuse Dan Quinn for that, but there's got to be a reason for it, which goes back to your general manager. To then, this is where we talk about with D'Amico Ryans and the Texans where, you know, give Nick Casario a lot of credit when they've had injuries and they've had more than anybody. Yes, they they've gone out and found good pieces. Yep. They've gone out and added good pieces who have come in and, and played really good for them. Uh, so that is 
But that's like coaching. What, what do you say, Rod? Coaching malfeasance, Rod. It is. To have a team that's running the ball on you and you've got a, essentially a dime defense. Yes, coaching malpractice. 48 man. of 54 snaps. And I know you talk about positionless football. Maybe Dan Quinn considers those guys you know, hybrid linebackers yeah. slash DBs. But it ain't working. You were getting bullied. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and it wouldn't be as um, – you know, a problem is if, if the Bills didn't do the same thing a month ago. Yeah. You went into Buffalo and you d- deployed the same defense, and, uh, you know, that's that really jump-started the Bills' season. They started running the ball like crazy with James Cook. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Josh Allen had to complete nine passes, and they beat you 31-10. to 10. Uh, That's a problem, Dan Quinn. But, if you know, if you ask Dan Quinn, he probably says, this is the person I got, y'all. He said, my six DB is better than my third, fourth linebacker. So I'm going with my six DBs because maybe he's built that that defense plays. You know, they they play nickel just you know as their as their base defense most of the time, and they use what they call big nickel, which is three their three safeties, right? Jaron Kurz, uh, Donovan Wilson, uh, Malik Hooker. So they they use their three safeties, and that's why they probably trust their their other corner, which is I think Jordan Lewis out there now, right, Duran, Duran Bland, Stephen Gilmore, and they throw Jordan Lewis out there, and that's kind of their dime, and then they, they have hybrids because I think Marquise Bell ends up being a hybrid form at times. I mean, I, I like Dan Quinn's system, but I do think he was a, a little bit uh, hamstrung in the linebacker depth issues they've had. But that's why they drafted Mozzie Smith. Remember, they had Jonathan Hankins injured in that Buffalo game too. So I think assuming he was, he was back, back in this game. Yeah, so I think they assumed he was back and that he was going to be the rock of Gibraltar that was going to help their rush defense, and it really didn't make a big a bit of difference. It didn't matter. Yeah, that's a problem. No, it is a problem. No, as it is our, a, it's as a our, problem. As our colleague, because he does a show here on our station in the afternoon, Rich Eisen pointed out. Mm-hmm. Eagles and Cowboys, only for only the fifth time in the Super Bowl era, division sent multiple teams to the playoffs, only to have both teams never hold a single lead in one and done losses. Yeah, Cowboys and Packers, or Cowboys and Eagles were both dreadful. Let's not forget. I mean, I don't think Cowboy fans can forget that it was forty-eight to sixteen. Yeah, man, it was ugly on your home field. Ugly. Yeah. And this is to the point of okay, it's one thing maybe you weren't ready to play. Maybe you overlooked the Packers a little bit and you started the game poorly, and they did fall down twenty to nothing. Yes, they did. And Dak Prescott's interception before the half made it 27 to nothing. You did score before the half to make it 27-7. It was 48-16 to on your field. This is why it's gone Operation Quiet from Jerry Jones. They're not going to do radio interviews. Mm-mm. They don't have answers, Rod. No. They don't have answers. I don't think they do either because they'll get a lot of questions, a lot of tough ones. Fair ones. Fair <laughs> uh, ones. I, I totally agree with you. Uh, about Nine the- Pro Bowlers. It would be ten if Trayvon Diggs were playing. you got plenty of talent on this team. It was 48 you got more than enough to talent. 16. Yeah. The Packers had to scratch and claw to get here. Mm-hmm. They're lucky to be in the playoffs. More than enough talent. Oh, my gosh. This is cultural, systemic, yeah. something. Something's up. And, by the way, it's uh, something that also has been plaguing the Cowboys prior to Mike McCarthy getting there. Prior yeah. oh, to yeah, Dak 100%. Prescott becoming starting quarterback. So, that's not act like it's all on well, and that's, this current regime. This is something that's existed prior to this group. This is why it's so confusing. Kind of like the Nick Sirianni thing. What the heck happened? In this case... Mike McCarthy, whatever we think of Big Mac, right? Mm-hmm. From the Jason Garrett era of the roller coaster where you have one good season, then a bad season, then a good season, then yep. a bad season. Remember, how many times did Jason Garrett save his job with a good season after a terrible season? We all remember. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so here comes Mike McCarthy. Okay, good. He had a terrible season to start, terrible year to be in his first year, but mm-hmm. that was COVID year, didn't handle it well, came out of the barn. Bad coaching hire for defensive coordinator. Yeah, and, and that got hurt too, right? Mm-hmm. When that the dad got hurt year. Well, then you fixed it, right? Okay, you went 12 and 5, 12 and 5, 12 and 5, 1 2 division. So Mike McCarthy had stabilized that part of it. And the only question was could he get you over the hump now with this new offense, when Dak Prescott, could they get over the hump in January and take that next step? And it was 48 to 16 mm. in the wild card round at home. Yeah. I don't even know what to say. Yeah. I don't even know what you do. Uh, Jerry Jones said he was floored. Yeah, because I think he was. Shocked that they were a no show. Yeah, like what no happened? show? Like we were building towards something here, y'all. You know, we we had fixed the offense. This was our year. We we're gonna have back to back home games. We're then we're ready for San Francisco this time around. Oh mm-hmm. man, uh, it says Leighton Van Der Escher injury hurt. That certainly did. It was brutal. But man, that forty eight sixteen. Yeah. And you give the Packers credit because they played a heck of a game. Great game plan. Good game, excellent game plan. Exposed yeah. all the flaws of the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. But it's it's not sit here and pretend like the Packers don't have some flaws. Watch what the 49ers do to them. 
Yeah. I, well, because <laughs> I guarantee they'll be attacking the middle of the field. Yeah. Because they're one of the worst defenses in the NFL, between defending the pass between the numbers, defending inside breaking routes, and Cowboys just couldn't get they couldn't get it going. Well, and both of Dak's interceptions yeah. came trying to attack the middle of the field. Right. So the Packers knew that the too Packers going. Knew, yeah, you're right. So okay, they're going to try to try to attack us in our weakness. Let's be ready. That was smart. It led to two picks and um, you know 14 points in the first half, which ballooned the lead. So no, that's just that's unexplainable. I mean, that's that's the kind of stuff as fans. You're you know, I saw several. It's so funny to see people on uh, Twitter or wherever burning their Cowboys gear, putting oh. it in their 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 fireplace. Nah, I don't burn it. Yeah, it's, you're gonna need it. It's hard. Well, because that, that means they're not coming back. They're done. It's over. It's yeah, over. they're coming back. They're oh, what are they, they going to do? Root for the Texans? They're coming back. Well, you know. It's not they watch the NFL. Yeah, well, that, that ain't happening. See? I would also yeah. say. I mean, I, this, is the, I, this is the least amount of NFL football I've watched in a year. Really? I, I mean, before the 49ers game, yeah. But I, I, I told you all, after that game, I, I, Texas was good, and I, I saw this coming from a mile away from the, from the Cowboys. So I just, I just stopped watching in general. But you don't watch it. Well, that's. I mean, I watched a little bit of the game last night, but I beyond that, I haven't watched many of these playoff games so far. They they haven't been very good games. Probably part of the reason why. That's true. Lions and and Rams. If you missed that one, that you missed it. That was that was a really good football game. That was a really good football game. Yeah. And I guess to Ty's point, coming off college football, where you know the the final four was really good, right? The final four games both went to the to the to the wire. Last play, mm-hmm. overtime in the Bama Michigan game. Texas Washington, you know, bad third quarter for Texas, but still went to the final play, uh, final four plays from the twelve yard line. Uh, really compelling. And I thought even the national championship game was pretty compelling because it was twenty to thirteen into the fourth quarter, and Michigan stretched it out and won that game. Uh, but yeah, I mean these these games this weekend for the NFL weren't good. No, um, I think now for a Texans fan, it was a lot of fun to watch them be, yeah. beat the daylights out of Cleveland. But it's one. I mean, by the middle of the third quarter, it's over. And yeah, at least you had two upsets. You had the Texans with upset, yeah. and you had the Bucks with their upset. So at least you had some upset. But you're right in terms of uh, the competitive nature of the games. They were not very. You competitive. had some really good teams and some really bad teams. Because as good as the Texans were, as bad as the Browns were, as good as the Packers were, as bad as the Cowboys were. Chiefs were good, not great, but didn't feel like the Dolphins even wanted to be there. It's too damn cold for them. Yeah. And then last night, Eagles, ugh. Um, and, yeah, that man, Pittsburgh. Even Pittsburgh. It was 21 nothing run. Yeah, Pittsburgh was kind of a pretender, though. We knew that. Yeah, they got in because of yeah. coaching. But Mason Rudolph is your quarterback. And say what you want about Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco was great, but Joe Flacco was exposed for being Joe Flacco in the end. <laughs> that he was their fourth quarterback and had been sitting at home on the couch. That was kind of a miracle story, too. One of the stories that people thought was, uh, man, kind of a, the one of the outliers of the season and was an extraordinary story. It turned out to be more substantive, and that was the Baker Mayfield story, here's it, a, here's, which we talked about. Yeah, no, there's some good storylines. Yeah, the Joe, Flacco, the Joe Flacco one story was good, but uh, let's be honest. Joe, Joe, I, just, I guess I'm hoping the division round would be a lot better yeah. uh, as far as the on-field play. Because you're right, the storylines are here. I mean, you got storylines. You got this young C.J. Stroud, who's a comet. Jordan Love. Jordan Love is a great yeah. story in the wake of the Aaron Rodgers thing. Baker Mayfield and Jared Goff are great stories. Detroit and themselves are a great story. Yeah, so you had half of the games you had upsets, basically. Yeah, Lamar Jackson, great yeah. story. You know, you know, was he going to be back in Baltimore? Actually, wrote a letter saying, "I'm out in by Baltimore." He's back, and now mm-hmm. they have a chance to go to the Super Bowl. He's likely the MVP. They're great storylines. I'm just saying, on the field, no, they had one great football. Games. Nope. Uh, by the way, Gus in the Bronx with a great message on the uh, message line. We appreciate it. 512-447-3776. Talking about Nick Sirianni. He says, what the team witnessed is their head coach exposed to be a fake it till you make it guy. Mm. So remember when he was calling plays when he first started and they were terrible, handed it over to the OC. They took off. Now the OC is gone. The offense is the same. They suck again. He's a fraud and the players know it. Okay. Well, yeah, that happens. Is that too. fair? And I wonder if that's the same thing happening on the defensive side of the ball. They just uh, the players know that the schemes don't work, and that they will eventually be exposed on the field anyway. So that's why the lack of effort, the lack you play of intensity. the game, Rod. If you feel like your coaches are getting oh, you know, to it you know if it's a bad scheme, you know going in like, oh man, this is not going to work. We play right now. This is <laughs> not going to work at all. I've had a couple of uh, schemes like that. I'm like, I'm not going to hurt your motivation. Coach is going to coach is going to make some adjustments. I guarantee after the first quarter, because this scheme is going to get lit up, and <laughs> it, that exactly what happened. Well, you heard Miles Garrett talking about Jim Schwartz, his Mm -hmm. defensive coordinator, saying, hey, you know, the guy's stubborn. You know, we're going to dance with who brung us. Do it his way. And Houston had the adjustment to it, and they never adjusted to it. And that's stubborn. If you're a player, like, damn, coach, come on, man. Exactly. He's a player. Like, my job is to execute the scheme. Coach gives me a job, I'm going to do it. I'm a soldier. Do my job. But there are times you realize, like, 
this is take hey coach. They're they're guys not, are running wide open. It's not it's not good. Yeah, we get. I remember we had that against like Tech one year, and we kept playing man to man bump and run. They were just picking us off in O two. I was like, run some zone here, coach. Like we can pass off these routes in coverage. They're just running. They're just running underneath drag routes, and they're just picking us off. And Wes Welk was running wide wide open, uh, and then we didn't go to enough zone and didn't do it till late. But yeah, there's sometimes happens, a player you happens. know. Happens. Okay. And if it, it happens over an extended period of time, you yeah. can see the whole locker room. Then thing. that's the difference. Then yes. we're out. Yeah, you understand one, just like you had one bad play, him making one bad call or having a bad series, you get that. It's like your boss, you had a boss that makes a bad call. You go, oh, this is going to be a terrible idea by the boss, but he's my boss. And yeah. he wants me to do it, so we're going to do it. Does it and then when week. it doesn't work out, I will, I will say, yeah, you know what, I kind of figured that was a bad idea. But, yeah, if it's happening every week, then the players will quit on you. Yeah, well, maybe that's what happened in Philly. Good stuff. All right. Mike McCarthy, Nick Sirianni, Mike Tomlin, Jim Harbaugh, Nick Bill Belichick. Man, to say there's a lot going on. I don't know if we've ever had a pool of candidates for a head coach of fantasy this good. Unbelievable. And that's, you're not even including the young, you know, hot shots, the young up-and-comings, the fast risers like Mike McDonald and Ben Johnson and those guys. Maybe Bobby Slowick. Yeah, you're not even including that group. We're talking about the old heads. And if you asked him, Pete Carroll might be available. Yeah, exactly. Another, <laughs> another, another OG. Yeah. You're talking about the OGs? I don't think we've ever had a, a crop of uh, coaches that's – Disproven. Hey, we'll head come, coach in Vegas. We'll come back. Rod will take us behind the burn orange curtain talking Texas football. We mentioned it's a busy weekend uh, with the additions rolling in here to start class. There could be more coming. Rod will have that coming back. We'll also, a uh, little off the record, the Emmys were last night, Rod. Primetime right. Emmys. Primetime Emmys. That. We'll tell you who mopped up. A couple of TV shows, and there's some good moments from the uh, Emmys, which nobody watches award shows these days, but I did actually because <laughs> the game was so boring watching the Eagles not try. <laughs> it took them up with Ian Rodby. Turn is presented by Callahan's General Store, helping to keep your yard in golf course condition year-round for 45 years. It's always a good day to make it a Callahan's day. All right, we are at the turn. We're halfway through our five-hour conversation on this Tuesday morning. Nine holes out, nine in. Not a golf day, that is for sure. It is uh, damn cold outside. Hopefully, you got over to Callahan's General Store ahead of this. We told you all last week and at the turn and uh, multiple times that uh, get over and get all of your... Um, frozen pipe covers and mm-hmm. spigot drips and uh, you know cover all your plants and things because this is not just a freeze for one overnight it's multiple days of a freeze and looks like we will climb above freezing today rod by the way as far as the weather goes yeah because the sun's gonna come out right it's yeah well i've got our shade closed here in the yes. onion creek compound because it keeps the cold out a little mm-hmm. bit it makes yeah. it warmer in here right. but it's currently 18 degrees in austin but it is a bright blue sky it's sunny it's just crisp and dry um, and then, you know, very, uh, the humidity's out. There's very dry air. So you're going to need it. lip balm. Mm-hmm. Your lips are going to get all chapped with all the heaters that are on. And then the uh, dry conditions feel like you're at the ski slope or something. But it, uh, I think 34 is where we're supposed to top out in Austin this afternoon. So just above freezing. But uh, overnight tonight, Rod, it's going to go again. Yeah, it's but dropping on you. down to 17. Mm-hmm. So uh, Thursday is the day where, mm-hmm. hey, by Thursday, we'll be back to uh, 68 degrees, Rod. 68 degrees. That's um, wild. It's going to get up to 68. <laughs> on Thursday, yeah. That's crazy. It's Texas. It's it is Texas. Texas. Now, this is, this is very rare for Austin and for Central Texas. Like, all, like, you know, I know in February a couple of years ago we had the seven days or five days of freezing conditions, but that came with ice and snow yeah, and the snow complete shel- shutdown. It, it is freezing everywhere in Texas right now. Like, from the, the, the valley all the way east to west, it is freezing everywhere in Texas. I don't like that. So, that's, that's rare. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want like that. Like my parents live down in Houston. They're ice. They got ice yesterday because they had some of that precipitation coming off the Gulf. Um, also, you were, you were talking about some of the snow that came in at the airport, Rod, and uh, um, and then out out towards Lake Travis. That was lake effect snow. I mean, yeah. That, mm-hmm. And you mentioned it yesterday that, you know, that Walter Long Lake that's out there kind of by Callahan's General Store out behind yeah. that, uh, past the airport, that – the, the 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 front will pick up water out of that and and, and it turns it's into fascinating. snow. Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's lake effect. So that's why it was always all cold out there, like yeah. you talk about. Well, it's, it's lower, and then it gets that lake effect, and then Lake Travis sometimes can do that too, mm-hmm. where the uh, you know the, the picks it up and uh, you know turns it into you know this the way nature works and uh, lake effect snow in Central it. Texas yesterday, which is weird because it wasn't on radar. It doesn't really show up no. on radar. Uh, but, as long as it's cold enough, I guess, and enough wind. Yeah. I guess it picks it uh, up. Pretty cool. So that, oh, well, and hopefully everybody's okay with that, but there was some icing out in Georgetown and those kind of areas. So keeping in mind, it's going to be dry and clear today, but uh, you can still get out to Callahan's. 
they'll be open for you if you still need some of that stuff. So get on over there and get on over there, as you say. <laughs> uh, we appreciate them. But uh, uh, PJ Tour Rod will roll in this weekend. Remember, they're done with Hawaii. They did two weekends in Hawaii, and they're going to come play the American Express Championship this weekend at La Quinta, California. La Quinta. La Quinta Country Club. They'll tee that off coming up on Thursday. That's at the turn, halfway through our five-hour conversation on a really busy Tuesday morning, uh, brought to you by Callahan's General Store. At the Turn is presented by Callahan's General Store, helping to keep your yard in golf course condition year-round for 45 years. It's always a good day to make it a Callahan's day. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain? All right, just a a couple of items here uh, that are happening uh, in regards to Texas football, a couple of nuggets. Football Scoop is actually reporting that it looks like the Longhorns will retain Paul Christ. Now, this comes from, like I said, Football Scoop, the other one to reporting it. I haven't seen it uh, anywhere else, but uh, their reporting um, says that uh, they believe Paul Christ, who was a prime candidate for a lot of uh, open jobs as a, an offensive coordinator, I think our was probably the job that he was most uh, prominently mentioned for. Uh, but they're reporting that uh, Paul Christ will indeed uh, return to the 40 Acres. Now, last year he was a special assistant to the head coach, um, so I'm not exactly sure what capacity. They did not get specific in what role that he would return to Texas in, but they're saying that they expect Paul Christ to return to Texas uh, as an analyst in some capacity. Um, remember, you know, he – did get the big buyout from Wisconsin when he left. I believe it was $11 million. So maybe money's not a big issue. Uh, whatever was happening between he and Al and other programs that were considering him, I guess it didn't work out, wasn't the right fit. Because Paul Chris, I mean, he is it's one of the most respected offensive minds in college football. Uh, so it's great that Texas is going to retain him. I'm not sure exactly what happened with the other opportunities, um, but he looks like he's coming back based on this football scoop report. Um, don't know about uh, Joe D. Camillus yet, but uh, Payam Sadat did leave. He's, he actually went to take a job with uh, Jeff Choate on that Nevada staff. So Payam Sadat is gone. So I don't know who else they're bringing as the special assistant. There has been some talk that Coach Akina um, will be coming in or is expected to come in as an analyst. So maybe he'll be given a special assistant role as well. Um, we're not too sure about that. But, yeah, there you go. Paul Christ coming back for the Longhorns. And that's a, that's a big get for him, especially with his uh, thoughts and his philosophy in the power running game. I know that was something that he was supposed to bring a lot of ideas and a lot of innovation for was the power running game for Texas. Um, so maybe him coming back will help Texas build on um, some of those ideas from last season. So they go, Paul Chris coming back. Uh, another nugget uh, for Texas football. We keep up with the transfer portal, of course. And at this point, I believe there are 13 players for Texas that hit the transfer portal. And 11 of those 13 players now do have a home. The latest is Jaron Thompson. Uh, Jaron Thompson signing, or at least committing, I should say, to Auburn. Um, and he's the second Texas player to commit to Auburn. So Auburn's putting in some work. They actually uh, got the commitment of True Carter. Uh, and that was earlier this month, I believe. Uh, Trill Carter committed to the uh, to the Auburn Tigers. So there you go. Between Trill Carter and between Jaron Thompson, between Malik Murphy, and I believe Isaiah Nayor, those are the four Power Five uh, acquisitions via the transfer portal from Texas. The rest of them, I believe, a group of five uh, departures. They end up landing at group of five schools. Um, and I think Charles Wright was in Appalachian State. The only players who are not currently uh, committed to a, another program are Keaton Crawford and, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Chris Ross. Uh, they're the only ones who are not currently committed to uh, another university. And I assume Keaton Crawford's going to get picked up pretty quickly uh, with his, you know, just his raw measurables and speed. I think he's going to end up landing with um, another uh, group of five programs. So I think he'll get on. So there'll be 12 of the 13 players. That's a good sign if you're just looking at. The I think I, I call it healthy attrition. There's healthy attrition and unhealthy attrition. If a lot of these guys leaving Texas were dropping down considerably in competition level, having to go to do 
D2, D3, or even not even being coveted or picked up, acquired via the transfer portal, that would tell me that Texas evaluations were off. Maybe guys were over-evaluated. Maybe they were a little over-recruited for Texas. And nothing wrong with that. Texas says they don't look at stars, so they shouldn't pay attention to that. But um, if those guys are leaving your program um, and they're leaving and not being acquired by other institutions or not being coveted, that would be a bad sign. Or if you're having high-end players, we're talking about some of your best players, all conference caliber players, they're leaving your program. That's bad attrition. But I think what Texas is dealing with right now is it's pretty, it's good attrition, especially when you combine it with the players they're acquiring via the transfer portal. Top 100 draft prospects like you know Isaiah Bond, like Makuba, like a Trey Moore, and then you look at the players that are leaving your roster who are actually being acquired by group of five and power five institutions and programs and it shows you that texas is just churning out that roster they're upgrading that roster they're bringing in supplement uh supplementing uh their uh roster construction with a high-end talent from other teams via the transfer portal and then the guys who can't necessarily push the envelope the guys who can't push for playing time the guys who can't compete for those starting spots because they just are unable or haven't proven themselves or they've been recruited over already those are the guys who are leaving your program. That's why you know you got four, like six safeties that are leaving your program because when you got a true freshman, Derek Williams, who ends up being a, a starter or a heavy rotational player and a walk-on, who ends up being a heavy rotational player or a starter like Taff Daddy, well, you know what? Those safeties, they don't see a path to play. They know, well, I've been recruited over and I've been passed up in this, in this DB room. What's my path to play? And that's why you have a lot of guys leaving – uh, so anytime you have a position like that where the guys have been passed up in the competition and recruited over, you're going to have an, a mass exodus. And I think that's what you're having at, at DB right now. But it, like I said, it's a, it's a good type of attrition because with the transfer portal, everybody has to deal with attrition now. It's, it's not something exclusive to the best programs or the biggest programs. Everybody's got attrition. It's just whether it's good or bad. It's like cholesterol, right? You got good and bad cholesterol. Same thing with attrition these days. You're going to have it whether it's good or bad is the question. Yeah, but it does feel like it's healthy for Texas. As you said, 13 players who are kind of maybe behind the depth chart a little bit, looking for a fresh start, yep. uh, making the move. And then the uh, four portal additions the Longhorns have made that look like immediate impact kind of guys at key positions for Texas and could be more. I mean, uh, Longhorns are looking at the kid uh, Jabbar Muhammad from Washington. Yep. And we'll see. There are some projections that uh, the Longhorns lead for him. Of course, his cousin is Manny Muhammad, who plays in that same secondary or would play in that same secondary. And uh, the name that came online yesterday that's interesting you know, because we, we immediately had heard from, you know, because Alabama's got guys jumping in the portal, and the Longhorns have already landed the commitment of Isaiah Bond, mm -hmm. the wide receiver, the speedster. Uh, but um, there's a tight end uh, from Alabama, too, named Kendrick Blackshear, who's from Duncanville. Uh, and by all accounts, he looks like, I mean, he looks like a bodybuilder. Body's amazing, but does he, you know, does he fit? With Jake, with Jed Bush leaving for the NFL, rather, maybe thought that they're looking for a guy like that, kind of one of those usable uh, pieces, gotcha. maybe a rotational kind of player, a linebacker, maybe special teams kind of guy. Um, so Kendall Blackshear is a the guy they're looking at. Uh, but then uh, this name is real interesting, um, tight end, Ben Yursek, who uh, oh, yeah. from Stanford. Yep. Three years he's played at Stanford. He's 6'4", 240, 245, 108 career catches, 1,300 yards plus. He's supposed to be, according to Pete Thamel from ESPN, supposed to visit Texas this week. So keep an eye on Ben Yursek. Of course, J.T. Sanders off to the NFL be big. Tight end could be a spot. I would also say out of the file of uh, keep your friends close but your enemies closer, looks like Texas A&M's athletic director Ross Bjorkrod is off to Ohio State. Uh, is it happening? I know he was a prime candidate. It looks like it's oh, going to. Yeah, it says here Ohio State is expected to name A&M athletic wow. director Ross Bjork as the Buckeyes' next AD. That according to the Columbus Dispatch. Yeah. 51-year-old has been the AD at A&M since 2019. Of course, most famously known for his contract extension of one Jimbo Fisher. Wow. That the program's having to eat. And now he's going to bolt. <laughs> that is, that's cold-blooded right there. I didn't realize he was that well, think, think highly about, regarded. Well, think about this. Okay, go back to the play, right? He, he tried to hire Mark Stoops. That got stopped in its place by the boosters and yeah. A&M fans. They were like, do better. By all reports, the plane landed from Lexington to A&M to finalize the contract and was told to go back. Yeah. That's embarrassing for an athletic director, right? Yes, it is. That's somewhat somewhat unrecoverable. Yeah, they depanched you. Yes, in front of uh, the world. And they much. said, "No, we're not hiring him. Yeah. Hire somebody else." Yeah, basically. Yeah. That's when they pivoted to Mike Elko, 
and Mike Elko is now in place. And Ross Bjork said all the right things at the introductory press conference that this is our type of coach and this is who we wanted. Well, everybody knows the story now. I mean, you're deep pants. You're right. I mean, you've been yeah. – emperor been, has no clothes. Yeah. And, I mean, kind of like you were trusted to make the hire. You hired it, and they didn't like they it. They didn't like it. They basically so said you, they didn't like your idea. You kind of got to go. On the heels of the Jimbo Fisher buyout that we just had to eat and figure out because you gave him a guaranteed 10-year contract? Yeah. Um, well, you know, A&M's – He's going to go to Oklahoma. I mean, he's going to land softly. Oh, Ohio State's Ohio got a great game. <laughs> what do you mean? He upgraded. Yeah, I don't. He upgraded. That's a, that's a better job for oh, him. Oh, trust me. When, when we talked about Way this, better. Because we talked about it in real time. Does Ross Burke have to go? Well, he's going to, to Ohio State. Ohio State. I mean, he's talking about a model of consistency. Uh, I, 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 can't, I really can't believe that. So, good for Ross Bjork, man. He's got a good agent. Um, I thought there'd be better candidates potentially at Ohio State could land. I thought they could poach a big-time AD, but you're right. Considering what just went down, at least you know he's available and looking. Yes. And, and they want him out, too, as opposed to going to try to poach and convince and have a sales pitch to convince an AD yeah, who's already su- lame duck who's supplanted. Yeah, he's got – yeah, exactly. Hey, administrator, come get him. Y'all, y'all come get him. Y'all you're looking for an AD. He, we got a he's guy. He's looking to leave. He's we actually want pretty good, but we, we don't like him anymore. Yeah. No, you're right. <laughs> that, that, I guess it just fit. It was the right timing. Yeah, so that's happening according to the Columbus Dispatch. We'll come back when we do some off-the-record conversation stories you probably haven't heard. Maybe have. If not, you need to because they're going to be talked about. It's Hook'em Up with Ian Rod B. D.D. Mega Doodoo. I'm sorry. Mangoodoo. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Deli Cat Essen. Well, well, I don't get a break my head comb. Well, congratulations. Continue good sex in, the, good sex in the Big East. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of Off the Record. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. All right, it's off the record time, Rod B. Oh, yeah. We did have the Primetime Emmy Awards on last night. Now, you watched the Emmys? You saw some of this? Yeah, uh, I, I did. did. I, I'll admit, I, I missed out on the Emmys. I did see it. Because um, it was on. I was watching the uh, game on my iPad, and the game was not keeping my interest. The Cowboys and Eagles. My wife was interested in watching the Emmys because it's an award show, you know. Oh, people like yeah. award shows. Oh, no, people love All them. the outfits and that kind of stuff. Yeah, the red carpet, And man. they did do kind of a cool deal because they were celebrating television, and it's primetime Emmy, so it's all TV and streaming. Mm. You know, they, they kind of paid the ode to some great uh, old shows, and, of course, uh, they, they had the, the what was left of the Cheers cast. They set up a bar, okay. and Sam Malone came out. Tony, Tony, uh, okay. Tom, what's his name? Tony, Dan, Tony. Oh. What's, what's, what's Ted Sam Danza? Malone? Ted Danza. Ted Danza. Ted Danza. Oh, okay. He came out, and Rita was there, Rita, Rhea Perlman. Uh, that's pretty cool. Norm. Norm. And they, they they gave away an award. They did that for that, and Allie McBeal, and a bunch of shows. So it was kind of fun. Uh, they did a, a bit off of uh, Saturday Night Live where Amy Poehler and Tina Fey did the, their own news thing, like the, okay. the nightly news. It was kind of funny. Who hosted the Emmys? Do we oh. know this? I don't know. Oh, what's his name? Anthony Anderson. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the guy Pretty from Blackish, guy Black-ish. from Low and Order, that guy. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. He hosts. He yeah, was he's fine. not bad. He was fine. Yeah, he's not bad. Uh, and in not the bad. end, the winners were a show called The Bear, won a bunch. I told you, man, The Bear on Hulu is great. It really I'm is a good show. I'm going to have to start in this ice yes. session. I'm going to watch it. It's a great, it's a really good show. They're, the big winners were The Bear, Beef, a show called Beef. Beef was good. It was a mini series on Netflix. I, I also would recommend it. It's good. Really good. And Succession. Well, which we all, we all like. You and I both great. love that yeah, show. They did well. Um, Kieran Culkin, which was interesting, Macaulay Culkin's brother, he won uh, Best Lead Actor for Succession, and the, all like I'm the, the three main actors were all nominated. Uh, the, oh, the, really? The, yeah. The old, uh, the dad, the dad, the one brother, okay. and then Kieran Culkin were all nominated. They one was going to win. And Kieran Culkin, I mean, the, the thing that's interesting about Succession is that they do it. They um, the scripts aren't necessarily written. There is an improvisational element to it. They give them starting points and starting lines, and a lot of what you hear from Kieran Culkin is just him improvising. Well, by the way, he did his speech, and he sounded just like his character. Yeah, like he was. He's kind of whiny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now, that's what, Oh, but it plays re- it plays well for that role well. he plays. Yeah, yeah, it's annoying. Yeah, uh, but he did his speech last night, and he he never he thanks his family. He thanks his wife. He didn't make. I guess he's not. Uh, is he on the outs with his brother? Why did he not mention? Didn't his mention brother? him. Did he say? He said family. Yes, though, right? he did. 
Yeah, said so his maybe, mom. He didn't mention McCall. I mean, you figured he mentioned maybe, his brother. Maybe he's mentioned it. There, I, I don't know if they're – I'm just asking, does, are they, like, strange? Because they're kind of like – It's like it, Aaron Rodgers and his brother. Yeah, I got to go look this up because they're, they're like three of them, right, the Culkins? I don't know. I, I know he's. I know Macaulay from Home Alone's his brother. I want to say they got like three. Of, they got beef. Yeah, let me go look this. <laughs> they up. Had beef I want to say, show. yeah, that they. I don't know if they got beef, but I know it's a, it's a, it's like three of them. Uh, Jeremy Allen White, one from the Bear, uh, also, and then Sarah Snook from Succession, the the redhead, she won uh, for best lead actress. So you know, that happened last night. John Oliver won for a show. All kinds of stuff. Yeah, it was fine. It was fine. I mean, I'm not gonna. Um, yeah, you should you should watch the bear though. I want to watch the bear. The bear is, and I is, have not seen beef. It. I saw the beginning of beef, and then I didn't stick with it for whatever reason. But this is the time of year when I can maybe catch up on some of this stuff. Yeah, yeah, you can do that. I'm yeah. telling you, it's, it's like I said, the bear's good. I think they're in season three, so you got you can, and it's only like thirty. They're only like thirty minute episodes, thirty to forty. Oh, is that minutes. right? Yeah, they're not like an hour, so it won't take up all of your day. The bear, and the bear's about a restaurant, right? Restaurant it's about yeah, it's about a, a guy who's a cook, and remember the guy from Shameless? He's a cook, and he's like a yeah, he's the one that won a culinary prodigy, but he's got some you know, he's got some demons like we all do, and uh, yeah, and they, him and his, his family's wild and crazy. It's kind of like a family restaurant thing. It's pretty cool. I'm not gonna lie, it's actually one of my what's got one of my favorite shows out right now. Oh, nice, nice, the, yeah. the bear. And I would say that uh, Elton John last night became a member of the EGOT industry. The EGOT Club. Oh, EGOT the EGOTs. Because he won an Emmy for a, uh, a, a, a live concert thing they put on called Farewell from Dodger Stadium. And it was like a retrospective from the mid-'70s that he played the Dodger Stadium yeah. again recently. And so EGOT status. He has an Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar, and a Tony now. That's okay. the EGOT. Damn. All the major awards. That's, you win an that's Emmy, talent right there, TV, man. That's talent. Grammy is movies. Or Grammy is uh, music, obviously. Oscar is the – the movies, mm-hmm. and then Tony's is like stage. plays, yeah, it's like uh, on stage. It's so he's impressive. now EGOT status. That would be Elton John. Um, Macaulay Culkin has seven siblings. Ooh. Kieran, Rory, Dakota, Quinn, Shane, Christian, and Jennifer. The ones who are most well-known are Kieran, Rory, and Shane. Shane is the one from uh, Secession. Okay. And that's Rory, Kieran, uh, yeah. Kieran's one for succession. Yeah, Kieran's yeah. one for succession. Okay, sorry. Yeah, he's one Macaulay's Home Alone. Did he ever do anything after Home Alone? Um, one and two. Macaulay. The whole Michael yeah. Jackson situation. He did some. Ooh. stuff. He did some stuff. He did some stuff. <laughs> the I don't whole know Michael alone. Jackson stuff. <laughs> he did more Home Alones. Is what he did. Yeah. Right? Did he do more Home Alones? Yeah, he was great. He was cute as a kid. That puberty thing can be a beat. Uh, you know what? Yeah, it can. For a child actor. Uh, yes, it can. By the That's way, true. I was reminded last night, I did not know this, that Jason Bateman's first TV role was on a, on a show called Little House on the Prairie with Michael Landon. I remember that show. Yeah. I remember that show I back do too. in the day. Yeah. yeah. I remember that back it's in the day. It was crazy because they came out, they played the music, the theme song to it, and I knew it. And it was like, my mom used to love that show. I Little House that. on the Prairie. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I did not know Jason Bateman was a child actor on Little House on the Prairie with Michael Landon. I learned he that lesson. for a long time. Yeah, Michael since Landon. he was six. Yeah. Hook him up. We'll come back. 